Hello, and welcome to Workle's Happiness Podcast. I'm Mark Price, the founder of Workle, a platform designed to help everybody get happier at work. I used to be the boss of Waitrose and the deputy chair of the John Lewis Partnership, and it's there that I began my interest in how we work and how being happier at work can not only transform an individual's life, but transform an organisation. On this podcast, I find out how happy people really are at work and discuss what steps they take to get happier. So on this edition of the Work All Happiness podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Fiona Grayson. Now, Fiona, after university, uh, went into the corporate world, but after a number of years there, she decided that she was going to be an entrepreneur and set up her own business. And a really interesting business it is too, called She Can, She Did, which is to empower women uh, to be entrepreneurs and to do all kinds of things to help them get on in the business world. And uh, Fiona will be telling us more about that. But Fiona, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Mark. Honestly, I'm honoured to be here. Well, um, it's very kind of you to say that, but you've got such an interesting story. The first thing I just want to find out from you is um, uh, you spent four years in the corporate world and then you've decided pretty quickly that that is not the route you want to take, but you wanted to do something for yourself and entrepreneurial. So tell me, in your school days, was there anything that you did that was entrepreneurial and sort of made you feel that this was a direction you wanted to go in? Um, I Not entrepreneurial, but I definitely was uh, ambitious from a really, really young age. Um, so I remember um, being about 12 or 13 um, and sat in assembly and listening to the head girl speak. And I remember just even back then, I'm really lucky that I've had parents of, um, since I was, you know, it was for as long as I can remember, have instilled in me that, you know, you can do anything you want in this world but the caveat being that you have to it won't come easy um nothing's handed to you and you have to grit your teeth and work hard for it and I remember hearing the head girl speak and that kind of even at 12 just thinking gosh that's I'm really inspired by that and how can I you know how can I be in her position when I'm there and working my way backwards from that so you know doing the extracurricular stuff that you have to do and putting yourself forward for student council and all of that kind of thing. And looking back now, I definitely think, you know, uh, I'm still best friends with um, the girls that I've known since I was 11. And we all laugh and they take the mick out of the fact that, you know, we'd be uh, sat around having lunch and then, you know, the reception would ring me at school and off I'd go and show of some visitors around school, for instance, or um, I'd leave the class to go and off and help the head teacher with something or something like that. And I just always think, going looking back, um, I definitely think school was one of those times where it, I kind of forced myself out of my comfort zone. You know, there was our school wasn't something where it was like handed to you easily. Um, there were different stages to kind of get that position. And I remember being absolutely terrified of public speaking, but still just being like, that is a step that I have to push myself through to get to where I want to be kind of thing. So it's a case of going for it anyway. And I definitely think that in hindsight, that's definitely shaped where we are now um, in terms of- And were you competitive at school? Did you play sports? Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I'm definitely, I'd say, um, I don't want to be that person that falls back on their uh, horoscope and star sign but I'm a, I'm a Leo so we're born competitive um, but I think I'm, I've always been 
it's I'm competitive when I care about something. So, um, you know, I remember rounders at school, literally loved that, um, but put me in like an 800 meters race where I, you know, knew full well I'd be rubbish. I could uh, kind of stumble my way across off the finish line. But yeah, I definitely think I've always been, it, it, I think it boils down to if I care about something. Um, so if we're playing a card game or something, give or take, I'll give it my best shot, but I won't be sat there throwing a tantrum if I lose. But I definitely have put pressure on myself from a young age, 100%. And, and did you work early on, as in a job job? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I googled you, Mark, before this call, and uh, I saw that you worked for John Lewis, and John Lewis, um, I, I worked for John Lewis as a teenager. So, um, and yeah, I remember being super proud that I was a partner. Um, but I, yeah, all of all of that. But I remember not really, my sister was always great with money from a young age and she worked to get money and be independent. Whereas um, for the first like two, three years, we had um, a big school trip, like to, uh, I think it was called World Challenge. And I remember all of my money had to go to that. So I never was one of those, um, teenagers that had any of the latest latest clothes or anything it was always to save up in a pot to allow me to go off on and explore and how did you find working in John Lewis literally loved it I was on the kids shoes department um so uh yeah no I, I I remember we were such a close team um and I picked up my hours you know it was school holidays and it was always absolutely manic filled with um children coming in and frantic mums getting their kids feet measured but um no I, I only good memories and and tell me at, at that stage had you worked out what you wanted to do with your working life mm -mm. no I knew um I think it always goes back to I always try and piece this together I always knew that my career mattered to me like that was you know since day one I I knew that I when I had my grown-up job I'd take it really seriously um but I went and studied history and politics at uni and obviously that's one of those degrees that doesn't lend itself naturally you know if you go and study medicine you're going to be a doctor um same with law etc cetera, etc cetera. but um I I didn't know where it would go and I remember I went traveling for a bit after uni um and then when I came home, I remember just thinking like, right, like game on, like how, where, where's this going to take me? Um, and just kind of Googling jobs um, based on what I cared about. And it was very much research. I knew I wanted to travel. Um, I wanted kind of career progression. At this stage, running my own business was something that um, my parents both walked away from their corporate careers when I was about 10, 11 to launch small businesses. So I'd always known in the back of my head that I'd want to launch a business one day, but very much like in my 40s, 50s, 60s, definitely not in my 20s. Um, and anyway, conference production for the, that publishing house came up and there was a number of ones and I never actually heard of that job role. Um, but yeah, Googled it and it um, meant that I was researching. It meant that um, I got to travel the world and stuff so off I went um, and applied and thankfully after a few rounds got it so good at, at university were you were you the same as you were at school did you no. take on extra responsibility did you work or did you just sort of chill and study as a student yeah I remember um leaving in at the end of year 13 being just you know a 17 year old stressed out exams kid um and i remember uni was literally a breath of fresh air but it was also a very welcomed um 
again in hindsight a real good slap in the face in terms of uh what's the phrase let me get this the right way around is it big no small fish giant pond as opposed to big fish little pond that you everyone is in um in secondary school and i remember arriving at Leeds and just being so overwhelmed by how intelligent everyone in my class was. I remember just being like, oh my gosh, I'm so out of my depth because I'm very much, uh, I have to work for grades. You know, you know, when you come across people and they're just naturally intelligent, I'm always so blown away by it. Um, but I remember just very much um, met an amazing group of girls that I learned to laugh at myself so much more at uni. And yeah, just Leeds to me was three years of um, fun. So, so you had a lot of fun in Leeds and then, uh, as you say, you decided to travel a bit. Yeah. Uh, did, did you get anything from the travelling? Uh, only more fun. I, I, I mean, to be honest, I did the classic Asia route and I just don't think that that's really travelling anymore. It's like one giant holiday, isn't it? Um, but no, to be honest, I think it was very much just kind of getting it out my system. Um, I knew that I wasn't ready at the end of uni. To be fair, I kind of raised my game in third year. Um, and then I just I knew I wasn't quite ready to go into work because again it goes back to um, just who I am when it comes to working in the sense that if I'm going to do something I give it my all so I just yeah had itchy feet to travel and then I remember actually the last few weeks whilst I was out there I remember being like okay I am. Um, I feel like I need to get on this career ladder thing now. So came and, back. And, and you, you you said a little about that, but you, just <laughs> tell us about um, the job that you you went to do. So you said it was in events, but tell us about about that job. So your first corporate role. Yeah, definitely. I'm um, I only have good memories of that place. Like um, it definitely wasn't when I ended up walking away from it. It wasn't one of those things where I absolutely hated the role that in inspired me to launch. Um, she can, she did. But I, I think I remember day two. Um, my boss said, "Okay, we want to launch a cybersecurity in um, a cybersecurity conference in New York. Off you go." And as a producer, it was uh, my responsibility to research the market. So I'd go off and interview the traders um, and the C-level suite at the banks and the investment companies, find out what their key challenges were, and then on the back of that, put together the agenda, secure the speakers for it, and then project manage marketing, ops, and sales um, between day one up right through up until the um the conference itself and then wherever it was in the world you flew out and made sure that the timings on site were um went to plan everyone was in the right place etc etc and i just think like it was just such a random everyone that was on the production team we all kind of looked around we always had that conversation about like how how did we get into this job it was just so weird but um it yeah, it was just, it taught me so, so much and it gave me so much. Um, you always hear about jobs where you really, you, in your 20s, like you really have to kind of hustle to work up um, and get responsibility. And I think something that we all genuinely really valued about that job is that they really did kind of trust us to run with it. Um, and of course, there were like senior editors and publishers that we had to kind of run things by, like, 100% but even even as a producer I remember one of the publishers we got on so well but he was in his 60s and it was me at 21 22 that had to leave that meeting and I, I remember being so overwhelmed by that responsibility because that 
that had never been anything I'd experienced, but it all had to kind of go through the producer. And obviously my manager was there for the first few months holding my hand through it all. But yeah, it was just a really thrown in at the deep end kind of job. But um, no, I, I loved it. And, and how do you cope with that? I, I think a lot of people, uh, as you sort of just said, would be completely overwhelmed. You know, out of university, 21 years old, going to New York to set up a conference from scratch, get the speakers. I mean, I, I don't think I'd like to organise that today. I mean, it, it sounds huge. Um, if I'm being honest, like I remember getting, going to Heathrow and getting on that flight, absolutely bricking it. Like it was one of those, um, so excited, but also like I'd never traveled on my own on a plane. Um, and I remember getting off at JFK being like, never been here before, like, what do you do? And I kind of, I remember my manager at the time was like, right, when you get to JFK, find the taxis, like blah, 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 off you go. And, but it was, I think in general, um, I am, very, I, no, I really do pride myself on the fact that even when I'm nervous about something, I will just grit my teeth. Like, however, it, as long as I know that um, there's something good in it, aka a trip to New York at 21, you're like, okay, I'm going to enjoy this. But the bit to get there will um, mean I'm bricking it for a bit. But I think it really does go back to just um, wanting to do a good job. And so when I was thrown in at the deep end to project manager team that was so much older than me I very much would always put my hands up and admit to the fact that I have no idea what I'm doing and I, I don't know never trying to kind of like you know when people say fake it till you make it I feel like I my expressions you can read my expressions on my face um and I, it's just never I've never been one of those people that can hide stuff like that so just being really honest about the fact that I have no idea what I'm doing and asking for help and thankfully it was um a really decent group of people I worked with so we muddled our way through and, and so um before we talk about the inspiration to start a uh, 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 startup uh, she can she did what did you gain from that experience um what, what did you learn Fiona that's been useful to you now in setting up your own business um that I think just people I think um throw me in a room full of anyone and I'll, I'll be able to handle a com like hold a conversation whether I'm comfortable is a different story but I feel like that job from you know day one going in interviewing uh you know I, I remember walking in and the CIO at HSBC you know just walking in and being like how am I here and what am I going to say to this guy but just um I think it just taught me that um, even the most senior people um, are human and it sounds r ridiculous like to get that job I remember um, I had to put together a, a project on the future of financial regulation I hadn't got a clue what financial regulation meant like I was just like I'd never come across that phrase because I just never needed to um, but I remember speaking to my parents and they were like oh you should get Mervyn King speak to Mervyn King who just stepped down uh, the Bank of England and I remember um, just googling like uh, Mervyn King's contact details and god knows how but his Bank of England address came up um, and it, I, I remember emailing him really honestly, kind of saying, you know, I need to, um, I'm putting together, I've worded it a lot better than this, um, but I'm, I need to uh, 
put together this project and I'd, you know, I'd be honored to chat to you, et cetera, et cetera. And thankfully he came back, asked for my CV. I sent it through and he said, okay, this is the time, call me then. And it was like a week and a half later. Um, and that experience, and, and I, I'm convinced that that got me the job. Um, and I'm, that experience just taught me that, that no matter who it is in the world, Firstly, they they can be reached, um, and they're they're human, and that they will, um, if they're you know a, a decent human being, um, they they'll you know be flattered by the interest. They might not be able to do it, but they will. You'll be able to get through to them basically. And if you're polite, if you say your please and tease, um, say thank yous, you know anyone can be reached basically. And I think that that's come in really, really handy since launching She Can, She Did. And in that job, I'd always go for the most senior speakers first and not be intimidated to ask. That's great advice. You've learned lots of things in, in your journey. You've been inspired at school, you've worked hard. Um, you've traveled on your own before you took on your job. Your parents gave you some inspiration about setting up their business. Uh, you worked at John Lewis, so you got yourself a job when you were still at school. You've then gone into the corporate world. You've been thrown in at the deep end and you've not been afraid and you've learned about, um, you know, please and thank yous and, and getting through to the top people. So lots and lots of practical things that you've, you've learned. But what was the instance that made you decide that you were going to walk away from the corporate world and set up your own business, set up She Can, She Did? Um, so I, I'd say for the past, even though I love that job, it boiled down on a day to day, uh, the day to day reality of that job was a lot of researching an industry that I wasn't passionate about. So um, whilst I always say on paper, um, so this is 2016, Instagram was becoming uh, picking up gaining momentum at the time. And had I wanted to, I could very easily have made out that I was, you know, living, um, living the life for someone my age, you know, travel, it paid well, um, lots of responsibility, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But ultimately, um, it, I wasn't passionate about the the day to day reality. Um, which was a whole lot of research about finance. And I remember noticing on platforms, um, the social media platforms, that more and more women my age were launching businesses. And it never struck me as an option ever. Um, I'd always, like I said earlier, thought it would be something I'd do later down the line. And my parents, um, again, like I mentioned earlier, launched their businesses when I was 10, 11. And whilst they were so much happier for doing so, so you know they used to have silly commutes um and you know dad would be up and leave and then he'd get in really late and and I, and I never felt like they weren't there growing up but I definitely noticed as a when I was in secondary school they were around all the time you know dad went to the end of the garden into the workshop for his commute and mum the dining room turned into an office for her so they were always there so much happier but it came with so many sacrifices um in terms of their salaries plummeted overnight um at an age where you know thing material things like clothes matter when you're a teenager I never had any of that kind of stuff you know we didn't go on big summer holidays all of those kind of things however that was while they were building their businesses and what really bothered me about that kind of the rise of um you know the hashtag girl boss movement that was really gaining momentum at the time is that it was so 
false and it was so misleading and it was just glossy images um you know business suits off to lunch flexible hours with absolutely well next to no talk of the actual reality behind the scenes and even when you look at like Forbes 30 under 30 lists it's always um what they've achieved and people you know so many business owners it's it's always the case of the first couple of years were so hard but then this happened and off we went that was the turning point and the focus is on the turning point onwards but I really wanted to know you know how on earth these women were launching businesses at that age um and it literally kind of boiled down to starting to get itchy feet about the fact that I wasn't passionate about the market I was researching um, on LinkedIn, all these recruiters were bombarding all of us with job offers, but it was basically more money for the same job somewhere else. Um, and it just kind of came back to the fact that um, I had always told myself that my job had to matter. And, you know, if I was going to throw everything into something, it had to be something I really cared about. And then I was out in Boston for one of the conferences. It was the day after the event. And I remember checking an email checking my emails on my phone and something came through and I think that was like a turning point where I remember just being like right I'm done like I don't I don't want to be here anymore screenshotted it sent it to my big sister and she replied and said um listen you've been saying you're not happy for a few months I know you just quit you'll figure it out and it really kind of boiled down to me being very didn't really think it through um and I remember really wanting to see Harvard Uni before I left and my flight was that evening and I just it was tipped down with the rain and I remember just walking through Boston it was, it was the complete opposite end of Boston that I was staying in and just walking I had my backpack in the rain and I was just thinking like right I'm going to quit my job but what am I going to do um long story short it just boiled down to you know being very inspired by the fact that women were starting to launch businesses knowing that I wanted to have a business one day and then being very frustrated that I couldn't find anything that gave me the actual honest truths of how the hell they'd got there um and I just decided to take the hit um and just reach out and see if they'd be willing to be honest with me and that's what the initial thing was in 2017 when I launched it was just a platform that would share the honest realities. Um, none of this QA, QA stuff, like actually I'll go and chat to them, whole story, everything, all the integrity details, and I'd share their stories in full, um, not caring about SEO or any of that kind of stuff that means that you have to keep it into certain word limits, et cetera, et cetera. Just literally share their stories. Um, and for, for women like me that wanted to launch a business but wanted to know how but also to encourage current female business owners to persevere by opening up about the fact that setbacks on route are so normal um and anyway i walked into the office on the monday morning handed my notice in i had three month notice period and literally was in such denial i remember mum being like you should probably start like saving some money and you know have you really thought about how you're going to turn this into a business because it doesn't sound like a business fee but they what I will always say about my family is that they just they even though there was like a concern from a money perspective they just trusted they were like okay well there's like let's just see where it goes um and I literally I'm in the flat now I'm in uh, the office but I started at the kitchen table 
on August the 7th in 2017, literally with just a name. I was like, right, let's just see what happens. Um, and I think the pressure of not having us like a paycheck coming in um, just meant that I had to I had to make it work. So yeah. And and so you've explained that the business is about um, uh, helping women set up their own businesses and women that have set up their own businesses uh, persevere and continue and be successful. So how do you deliver that? Talk a bit about the platform and what you offer uh, to women who want to start up businesses. Sure. So um, for the very for the first year it was literally just traveling around i had a really rusty old courser traveled around the country uh went for coffees put my phone on record in the middle of um the table and just would chat i would then type them up um, and transcribe it which normally took about seven eight hours and then just share i shared two interviews a week but that was seven days of literally just chat travel type post and on that for about four or five months um and obviously no money and um, my savings were literally just kind of depleting very quickly um and then i remember thinking like right i really need to um get some money coming in i'll throw up i'll put on a conference like the ones i used to do and i remember just being like i'll get loads of sponsors in the same way that we used to do for fx week and um, put together this big amazing conference agenda etc etc and I remember reaching out to like the likes of HSBC and some software firms and I remember going and getting a train up to Birmingham and literally remembering like I remember thinking oh my god it's going to cost loads that that train ticket um, and going up and I was like no it's HSBC if I get in front of them that I'm sure they'll say yes if, if like they they get the idea etc etc and I remember pitching this uh she can she did lifestyle event to HSBC and the lady was so lovely but she just said you know how many people have come to previous events and I said uh oh none this would be the first and she said um like with all due respect fee like you have to prove that you can get one bum on the seat before we even consider sponsoring this and I remember just getting the train back from Birmingham being so just like oh my god this is going to be so much harder than I thought it would be because it's so much easier when you've got a respected brand behind you and you're working for someone else and like that gave me the kind of kick up the bum I needed to very much like think smaller um but I decided I was always adamant even if I did an event on a smaller scale it had to be different and that's where the midweek mingles came in. Um, so from the challenges that, because the focus on these interviews were the challenges, women really like, and they really did, they opened up to me so much about everything they were experiencing. And then the research as well was saying that, you know, the lack of down to earth networking opportunities, all of that. So that's where the midweek mingles came in. And um, the first one sold out in 48 hours. And I think that was more the power of just um, the community that was growing on tiny community um, but on Instagram um, and just kind of giving me a chance and then after three events in London um, that's when I got my first sponsor on board which was Zero, the accounting software app um, and I'm convinced that they only sponsored because uh, they're based in Milton Keynes and I said that I was so I went and I met them for coffee um, but I, they they were the first and, and that meant that there was a bit more money coming in as opposed to tickets um but then long story short obviously 
last year's where it all kind of changed a bit, but about 10 months into She Can, She Did, because of those recurring challenges cropping up, um, that's where the idea for the benefits programme that we launched last year popped into my head. Um, and it was very much, you know, until you're financially secure, there is no, there are no uh, consistent benefits, rewards, et cetera, et cetera, for being your own boss. Um, the amount of resilience that you have to put in, um, how many different challenges you have to go through behind the scenes. Like it's such tough work and you know, you don't just walk away from your salary, you walk away from your pension, you walk away from your healthcare, you walk away from your gym memberships, all of that at a time where you are putting your pride on the line and all I, like all I say, all eyes are watching, um, but you know, people kind of take an interest and it is, you know, it's, it's just tough work basically. Um, and anyway, I tried to get investment for that. Um, I, had an, I had an offer to invest a few months after the idea popped into my head, but they wanted 40% of the business. So I obviously walked away from that. Um, and then it's literally just the need to get money coming in meant that the midweek mingle roadshows, that was the priority. Switched over to a podcast um, to try and get that monetized. And then it was only in lockdown. I'd been speaking to a female investor um, in my spare time for about three months um, and she's amazing, but her business took such a big hit when we went into lockdown. And so she kind of withdrew from any kind of chats about investing in it, but she stayed on that call for about an hour and was just like, you need to get this off the ground in any way, shape or form. And I had about two and a half grand in the bank. Um, because I had to cancel the midweek mingle road shows when we went into lockdown. And I remember just thinking like, you know, I was trying to raise 150K, like how can I get this thing off the ground with two and a half grand? Um, and it just boiled down to literally scaling everything back. Like you kind of expectation versus reality and just, you know, reminding myself that you have to start somewhere. And it's, um, you know, the, the benefits program that we launched, I'm so proud of it. Is it what I, pictured it would be if we had the investment not at all um did it get the numbers that I wanted had we had all the fancy bits and not at all but you have to start somewhere um and so again I told you I'd ramble Mark I'm so sorry but that's that's basically how we got to where we are today so um that's yeah. really good and so turning the tables on you could you go around asking other people <laughs> so so for anybody listening out there what advice would you give them what would you say to them now about uh, the good and the challenging about setting up your own business? Mm. Um, I would definitely say that um, the online space still is so curated. So, you know, the way social media works, just take it with a pinch of salt. And it's that kind of advice where, you know, how many times do we have to say uh, Instagram is a kind of curated reality um, but it it genuinely is like the I think what's been so damaging about it is that people nowadays think oh I can launch a business I'll just start an Instagram account and, and keep it going but what I think they don't see is that as profiles uh, get bigger you're opening yourself up to so many more opinions and and uh, expectations and you kind of put on a pedestal um, and in today's culture what that means in terms of the responsibility you have to bear all, all of these different things I just think you have to really consider 
how much you care about whatever it is you're trying to launch um, in today's world. If you are super, super passionate about the idea that's going around in your head, by all means, I would say give it a name. I always think like then you can, it suddenly becomes more real. It's not just an idea. You've got the, the name um, and start speaking to be people, kind of socialize that idea, um, get opinions and you very quickly snowball. So-and-so introduces you to so-and-so or, you know, once you've got the domain name set up, you um, can start speaking to brands about it, whatever it is, just it, it snowballs. But I, I really do think my advice is it's genuinely, it's, it's, it is, definitely in no way shape or form it's glamorous as people make it out to be um and and so just tread carefully if that makes sense there's an there's there's so many knockoff businesses um and and uh, uh, everyone kind of regurgitating the same material um and it's like how many more of those do we need so launch something that um you're genuinely passionate about and find a way to make it different and so what would you have done differently now with the benefit of hindsight what might you have done differently um i definitely think i would have been a, a more strategic um in a from a business perspective because i think there are it's, it's it's weird isn't it because it's kind of like then you don't get to where you are now if you change things but I definitely think I didn't have that business head on I had the get the substance get if you're going to do an interview do a, a really in-depth interview etc etc but like I said earlier things like SEO they do matter but I didn't care about any of that kind of thing um and like budgeting and stuff you know I remember getting into a pickle with my accountant because I switched over from being a sole trader to a limited company without really kind of knowing what that entailed didn't have the business bank set up you know and then there was this kind of like hoo-ha right we need to sort those kind of things out so in hindsight I would definitely be more savvy I'd force myself to do the things that actually I, I don't the the kind of nitty-gritty stuff that you kind of have to do when you're a business owner but I don't take any interest in it. Th those things I'd be way more on top of because I think it would save a whole lot um, of kind of that stress. The you, you know you have to file your tax returns, so it's like oh Christ, it's coming. It's like no fee, just get on and do it. That's what I'd do differently. And um, the acid test of all of this is is whether you're happy. So I know that you've taken the work or uh, happy at work test. Yeah. Um, but how did you score, Fiona? I got 81%. <laughs> well, that's good. That's yeah, great. no, I'm, but like, you know, like I was uh, saying earlier, I do feel like I, I kind of think 81%, that's, that is quite happy. I definitely think, you know, finances right now could be better, uh, could definitely, I know one of your questions was about um, comfort levels in, in the office and stuff. My partner and I, we're kind of, it's, we're in a two bed flat. So one of the um, bedrooms is, and the office at the moment. And when he's on conference calls, I'm at the kitchen table, um, which isn't comfy at all. And it's kind of like, you know, but you, we, it could be worse. I think we keep telling ourselves like, that's what we keep saying. Could be worse, we're super lucky, et cetera, et cetera. But um, 81%, yeah, I'd say more 70-ish. Did, did it help you to think about those areas where you're happiest and maybe least happy about work and therefore where you want to develop? Yeah, no, definitely. I do think um, 
that comfort one was the kind of the office environment thing. I've been tiptoeing around the fact that you think, you know, if you work for yourself, you'd have the office set up, set up. Um, but my parents literally live about 15 minutes down the road. So I've always, since day one of She Can, She Did, um, give or take a few days, kind of commuted. So I felt like I had a routine where I left the house and went there and had a set up there. And so this whole... Covid thing, even though it's coming up to a year, you, uh, yeah, I haven't, I just haven't really prioritised it, and just kind of, um, it really made me think. Oh no, I really should buy another table and a proper chair and just make myself comfy um, because those things do matter. But I'm very, uh, yeah, I just sort of make do and mend constantly, and actually sometimes I do feel like I should be a, a bit more on top of things like that. And. Um... Looking forward, where where do you see yourself in the business in, in say, five years' time or ten years' time? Mm -hmm. um, I definitely think, you know, I, we launched the benefits programme for all female business owners in the UK. Um, and I think in terms of, uh, it's a really hard one because we're going, I'm having, I'm writing a, a piece right now to try and get it all out, out off my chest about success and kind of, what success is and we always kind of talk about business ideas that can scale but at what cost does that come and all of this kind of stuff um but I definitely do feel like I, I want to make sure that you know more female business owners in the UK can have access to it um and so and and also I think the the overriding kind of mission with it is to really it's, it sounds so, uh, you know, utopian, but like level that playing field because every single stat points to the fact that male founders, um, well, the, the the landscape business owners are operating in does favour um, male founders. So, but I'm not at all, I, I know that that's a kind of a collective effort um, and that requires, um kind of coming together both sides and not just she can she did that is a, a nationwide effort to bridge that gap but definitely feel like um i'd love she can she can she did be a part of of that um even things you know we partnered one of the core benefits is you know providing female business owners with access to a pension um because only 22 percent of us self-employed women have one and that means that they are relying on their business to be able to sell the business one day and, and kind of have that financial security in retirement because the other option is that they can't retire they will have to keep plodding on and then the pressure that that puts on those female business owners as they kind of get closer and closer to retirement you know that that's all kind of pressing down on um our shoulders so it's just silly it's i say silly things like that but it's, it's things like that that um are a huge part of the kind of mission that we're on just really raising that awareness and getting people to really think about not these kind of glossy motivational quotes or buying a mug that says you know hashtag girl boss it's it's actually no what what matters and what's going to really genuinely support you on this journey if you are in it for the long haul you need to think about the boring but essential things like you know what happens when you're poorly have you got health cover pension you know are you saving for retirement what you're doing is really good i mean because 
uh, as you know, all of your work makes clear, is that women are disadvantaged against men uh, who are entrepreneurs and set up their business. They're disadvantaged, as, as you so eloquently set out uh, on your site and elsewhere. From an investment point of view, they get less. From a pension point of view, from a benefits point, there's a whole host of things. So what you're doing is incredibly powerful. And I'm sure that, that women listening to this podcast, but also men listening to this podcast who know women, will ask them to, um, to go and look you up and go to um, She Can, She Did to see what practical advice they can get to start their business and be supportive. And, and Fiona, a couple of kind of really quick questions to, to finish. If you were to suggest somebody to take the work, the work called happiness uh, test, who would you pick and why? Uh, my best friend, she's a primary school teacher and um, she has complained about it since day one of getting that job, but equally loves it. I'm always really confused um, by it, but I just feel like just kind of getting, putting it all in perspective. I don't know. I just, um, I definitely think that that would help um, her and her colleagues, I think, because yeah, I we have, we, funny enough, we have lots of teachers take the test. Mm, yeah, um, it doesn't and, surprise me. I, mean, I won't talk here about the results, but there's a particular um, set of results that you get from teachers about doing something that's really worthwhile, but then feeling that there are other things about their job they really don't like. Absolutely, um, yeah. So, no, that's a good call. And, and um, in terms of um, your happiness, <laughs> what piece of music, when you hear it, makes you feel happy? Um, a Million Dreams in The Greatest Showman. It came out like three or four months after launching She Can, She Did. And I remember just sitting in the cinema, just walking, well, walking away from that um, that film, just being like, oh, that I just needed that. It came at the right time. And yeah, that is definitely a shower song. I love it. On, on that note, uh, Fiona, can I thank you very, very much for being on this podcast? And uh, can I congratulate you on setting up uh, She Can, She Did? Um, not only does it have um, uh, a really important social mission, I mean, it's much needed, that area of support. It's great that you've um, taken the bold step to, to leave something safe and secure, uh, to step out and to help people in that way. So to set up a business is one thing. To set up a business that has a real social mission uh, is quite another, and we wish you every success. Oh, thank you so much, honestly. Oh, it's been such a pleasure chatting. Thank you for listening. For more on this podcast, head to workall.co where you can find out how you can get happier at work. <laughs>